You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. Oh my gosh, I can't reach. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, break, break. Tell. Collective. So tonight on the Sacred Collective flip side, we are talking our second conversation about hell. H-E double hockey sticks. We're going to go around uh, and say introductions and also say one thing about hell that we grew up believing or that scared us growing up. Uh, I'm Joshua, and I thought that hell was an eternal, uh, basically, furnace where you got poked with pitchforks and tortured until you died and then died again and kept coming back like it was like the resurrection but you just kept dying so it was, you know very sisyphean so you've got the the rock you're pushing up the hill which is agony 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 and then it falls back right back down so the next day you have to start over again uh, i'm caleb uh let's see man that's it's hard to choose one thing i grew up believing that anybody who wasn't quite the right version of christian was gonna just automatically like everyone was default going to hell unless you got like a, a punch card unless you got a, t- a ticket. So one question, quick: You thought Catholics and Lutherans were going to hell? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I thought yeah. So. yeah. Southern Baptist for life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Still like a hardcore baby. SBC. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my name's Brian, and the way I was I was taught many things about hell. Um, I think the one thing that I was taught was that. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then Jesus is going to reject you, and you're going to be in eternal torment. And it was, and we kind of like what Caleb was saying that pretty much anyone who didn't believe in our variation. So yes, like Catholics or Lutherans would go to heaven, but it would almost be like a lesser type of heaven just because they didn't believe in it the way that some of the God people did. So. That was kind of messed up. Not kind of, but really messed up. (laughs) Kind of condescending. (laughs) My name's Amanda, and I just remember in pretty much every service, churchy term here, there is the altar call. They'd have end of the sermon, pastor would ask the worship leader to come up, they'd start playing music just to get your emotions going and say, now if your life and your heart is not right with the Lord, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you're going to go? And it was pretty much ingrained that, you know, if if you lie to your parents, if you cheat on a test at school... It's like, you better ask forgiveness because you're not right with the Lord. So as a kid, you'd be terrified that, well, what if I lied to my parents and I said I cleaned my room, but I just shoved it all in my closet? What if I die tonight? Like, what if I go to hell? And it was just this big scare tactic. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's like the one thing, big thing I remember from growing up. Okay, one question to the group. <clears throat> How many of you had altar calls, like, monthly? Oh, here, uh, weekly. Here, show it. Here, for sure. Shut your dick, really? We should. I, would, I grew up losing Yearly. I went to the Yearly. Raise their hands for those who can't see. Yeah, well, yeah, because yeah, we can't see. Oh, oh my God. Easter. Only time was Catholics. Good. Easter. Oh, I, I oh. even had an altar call I and wish. a funeral for a kid that oh. OD'd. Whoa. Oh. Oh. Yeah, just graduated high school. So you have a bunch of high school students who, who are already vulnerable. That is so upsetting. That is really upsetting. And then you really have an altar call. Good. 
No, I was, my old youth pastor just passed away back in March, and he's a great guy, but they didn't have an altar call, but they actually had like a coming to Christ moment where they're like, he would have wanted this, I'm going to leave his name up, but they're like, he would have wanted this, and I know his family wanted it, so is there any of you right now who need to get right with the Lord or need to become a Christian? I'm like, this dude just died! He if, died. If You're that happens like an altar call, I'm like, no, that's not okay. If that happens at my funeral, one of you guys is throw tear gas into that <laughs> church hall. <laughs> so I'm gonna do it intentionally. I mean, that way, that line he would he would have won the tear gas. Does any of you need uh, a reality check? Oh god. Oh my gosh. Oh. Um, my name is Ben, <laughs> and I think I have. It's hard to decide between the two that I have in my mind. Um, should just say both, man. Just do um, it. Yeah, do the it. one that's really coming to my mind is I probably was in second or third grade, and I remember going to an Assemblies of God church. Um, I, that's not what I grew up with, but I remember they had this massive um, maze that they had built that was like designed to like mimic what hell was like, where oh. you like a hell house, a hell house. Yeah, yeah, kind of like a hell house where oh, you yeah, go through this like. Yep. Cardboard maze that they That's had a thing? made. That's a thing. Oh, I'll tell y'all oh about it. It was my friend worked one. It, my cousin did. I'm, 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 I'm like so shocked I by this. Remember, I just remember. I remember just going and Sorry, ben, the go church is like the church that was putting this on had actually made the maze themselves out of like cardboard and they had like multiple levels. It was just crazy. But you would have to wander your way through stuff and you'd encounter like small little things, you know, of like, you know, like what other people mentioned. Have you cheated on a test? You know, like. Have you lost it? Yeah. Well, no, as a. Well, I didn't know what that was. (laughs) (laughs) What is this? You know, but I think the big thing that we kind of, what I took away from all of that, like, was hell was just an endless maze of torment Mm. and reliving Mm. every small little thing you did in life. Like, everything bad. And in up to, like, cheating on the test. Or did you just happen to maybe glance at that answer? Like, mm. you didn't really cheat, but did the thought, like, it's just... So I think that's the biggest impression I had, I think, when I was growing up, was between that and then... Um, I think the other one was just all the Christian music that talked about hell, mm-hmm. but didn't talk about it, right? Yeah. Like, they were sneaky. Danced around it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... But yeah, that was that's kind of what I grew up on. It held to be. Thank you. I'm Angela. Um, I have two versions of hell as well. One, um, because my dad listened to a lot of 80s hair metal. I had the cartoony 80s hell version, Iron Maiden, 666, Mark of the Beast type of hell. Um, and that's just from hanging out in my family. Like, um, and it didn't really scare me. It was just kind of bizarre, I guess, because I went to a really conservative Lutheran church. Um, but, you know, I would hear all these songs like, Six, 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 the mark of the beast. You know, and it's like these guys with, like, really long hair and kind of feminine. And I don't know. So it was, yeah, it was very kind of cartoony and bizarre so I never really thought like the flames and like the pitchforks were really serious but I remember like in youth group them talking about like pounding this message home of 
hell is the absence of God. Mm-hmm. It's you choosing to be away from God. Mm-hmm. And they kind of described it almost like solitary confinement. Isn't that weird? They pull the rug out and be like, no, it's your fault you're going to hell. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, God yep. didn't rig the system. No. You did. No, you chose, with wow. your actions, you chose, you put yourself in your solitary cell. Such horseshit. So I, I saw hell as basically like being in solitary confinement. Like you're in this dark room by yourself And then the only thing you have to think about Was how you didn't choose To be with God So So I had the Oh that's heavy Yeah the the like flames and stuff I never really took seriously Because I was exposed to all this 80's hair metal Which is kind of funny But then in the youth group it was very much You don't you know, don't put it on God or don't even put it on Satan. It no. was your choice to put yourself in hell. That's crazy. Wow. So Thanks, God. Deal yeah. with all of that guilt. It's like, thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like even worse than predestination. Yeah. Mindset yeah. Of like, no, God chose you to go there. No, it's like, it's all your fault. Oh, you, were, you were the one who personally rejected God, well, and now you God tried to set up the it. game to be even, but then it's like the going into the, the corner. Yeah, think about bad. what you've done. Yeah. That's terrible. Spiritual abuse. For, for, yeah, that's, for that's child abuse. Yeah. It, 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 oh, yeah. So, there you go. Come on, Miss Lutheran. Um, well, okay, first of all, my church didn't really... Have any stock? First of all, you your name. Oh, I'm Kayleen, by the it's way. Kayleen. Hi, I'm Kayleen. Hello. Sorry, I forgot to say my name. Um, no, a song came in my head. Okay. Um, well, at least my church growing up didn't really talk a lot about hell. It wasn't really a thing. Mm. It wasn't really something. I mean, I, I'm sure that it was, but nobody preached about fire and brimstone and that people were going to go to hell. And there was there were no like versions of hell. I mean, like I heard about hell like in from Dante, and, like, it, it sounds like it was this fiery, horrible place where you were separated from God, but it never was something that was ever focused on, really. I mean, I guess I, I never really thought about it much, other than it was the place that was underground that you went when, if you did something bad, you know, or if, or if God didn't like you, or, you know, or if you did you know, so I guess, preconceptually, I had... My ideas, but it wasn't necessarily something that the church focused on per se. Mm. But. Underground, that's that kind yeah, of hurt my ears. Like, yeah, it was, it was underneath. Like it was a physical, like below, yeah. below. You know, like yeah. I remember when I was younger, I always thought that like heaven was up in the sky. Mm-hmm. Then you, yeah. Then you have hell. Hell was like the center of like the core, core like where the molten center of, of mm-hmm. earth really is. Like that's where hell is. So yeah. you know, you always I remember always that like. Up to the skies is good, and like mm-hmm. down Definitely. is bad. Like, yeah. well, we talked a little bit about that last week, when because mm-hmm. that's how most of the Israelites viewed, and the early people viewed, like yeah. all that stuff. They viewed heaven as this heavenly place, like up above the stars in the sky, and earth was what we have, mm-hmm. and hell, Hades, whatever Sheol. the concept or shield was underneath the ground, or um, essentially wherever you couldn't live. Yeah, like, so I think that was a very commonly held. View and I think what Josh is going to lead us in tonight is more of like how our popular views that we have it now uh-huh. came from since they're really not biblical. Anymore. Couldn't it also be kind of like the sky represents like freedom mm-hmm. and open space, and the ground represents confinement? 
Mm, well, and you bury the dead usually. Yeah. So it also it, it swallows you up as the grave. You know? Yeah. No. Whoa. Or the ocean, you know, swallows yeah. you up. Like, yeah. The ocean's always been a scary you place. You can't survive. Like, it's... Right. That's so deeply ingrained in kind of concepts of, you know, yeah. even well, nowadays. We're not really going to touch on it, but hell bef- was a place of freezing. Far before it was a place of fire. The first time it was actually brought to a place of fire was through the Hebrews at Gehenna. Where it was because it was a burning garbage dump. But before that, it was freezing because there's some interesting work being done on a shared called folk memory. Mm. Because they're talking about... So for the last 10,000 years, we've lived in a climate which humanity has never lived in before. It's temperate. Um, It's not that hard to survive. We can create cities. We can create agriculture. For most of humanity's time, so 80% of humanity's time on Earth, we have been in a very cold, very harsh world. Um, so, like, the only thing you could really hunt are things that could survive the winter. There's not much plant life, there's no agriculture, there's no farms, there's no cities. But we all kind of fear the freeze, the cold. And so, before it was fire, which is in the Jewish tradition, it was the deep freeze, the cold part. Yeah, really um, and so, it is interesting. And I, and I looked into that a little bit, but not, not too much, just because that wasn't my, the focus for today. But I thought that was really interesting. Because they now they're doing studies that think so from the last ice age, they think the changes took place within a generation, maybe even seven to ten years, where the climate shifted that dramatically. Wow. So you have one generation going from being hunter gatherers, being you know like badasses with you know like trying to survive. Like what was that into the into the gray? <laughs> That movie? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The, 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 the Liam Neeson one. Yeah. Right? Liam Neeson where he has the, bottle, like the wine bottles so at the end. Oh, no, great. Yeah. Basically, if you're not a warrior, the wolves are going to kill you. I thought you meant the Revenant. No, to, to a society where we have raspberries and strawberries and apples and just plants growing, you're like, holy shit, free food? And so within a generation, that might have shifted and happened. So when climate change did that and moved to this place, we went in one generation from a family who was hard and almost like we would probably be, uh, liken it to like the Depression to being like the tech boom in the 90s where like they, they saved every penny because they didn't know if they were ever going to see one again to being like, here's $5 billion for sitting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the excess of the 80s, like yeah. <clears throat> you need... It, like late 80s, early but 90s. With, yeah, but within where a generation. I have money to burn and I need everyone to know that I have a ton of money. Mm-hmm. But there's there's might still be part of our shared folk memory where the cold is still a part of us that we're terrified of. Mm-hmm. And so that, that could be interesting people, to, people to go through. People about the cold every time it snows. Yeah. Yeah. Winter is coming. This is hell. It's um, crazy. <laughs> so, so we referenced Gehenna. Um, Gehenna is just a region of Jerusalem that is a garbage dump and was on fire a lot during when the biblical text is written. So it was just like a... Like a tire fire. Yeah, just, yeah, just a waste place. It was just a dump. Um, but it was also apparently um, a King Molech used to sacrifice children there. That's why it became a dump because it was an atrocity to the Jews so they wouldn't go there. They couldn't yeah. touch it. It was an abomination. So that's why it became a dump. And that's also where we get the first inclination of fire and the notion of hell as a place of torment being put together okay. that I could see. Did Jesus really bring up in the New Testament times like hell, like Gehenna as hell? Or is that just more popularized by other biblical writers or theologians post Jesus, Jesus really didn't spend his time talking about hell or heaven. Um, I think Gehenna's in the New Testament though, isn't it? Uh, probably redacted later. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but so I'm trying to think where I can find it. So Judaism does not have a specific doctrine about the afterlife at all. So Jesus didn't really spend time talking about what's going to happen after I die or what happened before I lived. There was, um, it was such a small section actually within Judaism. Yeah. Right. And there, there was a place called Sheol, yeah. but that was just the That's place where every, everything yeah. goes. Yeah. Not yeah. just people. Mm. Like everything. what we talked about last week because everyone would go there. So. Yeah, which is close to Hades, where it's just like you're just there, but in Hades, you're not yourself. You're a sh- they call you a shade, a shade of yourself. Mm-hmm. So, like, your shadow. But they didn't have that word yet. It's almost, it's almost Plato like did. other religions before, like, hell came on the scene had. A somewhat more positive look on death, like the afterlife. Well, um, in it, some ways, in Egypt, so if you you had to weigh your heart against the the feather of truth, and if your heart was heavier than the feather of truth, you would be through to is it Amet, the giant crocodile god would devour you. Yep. But there's no depiction of anyone ever going to hell in Egypt. Like, there's, because you could say there's a special prayer of, like, remittance where you say, like, well, I never killed anyone, I never stole anything, I didn't do this, and then you'd pass pass the gods and get there. But there's not even a depiction of anyone going to hell in Egypt. So it's like, yeah, it's there or whatever, but... No. Why would we send our own people there? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you, you have and you have bribes because you can bribe your way into the afterlife in Egyptian culture. You know? Oh wait, is that what the mm-hmm. Catholics got that? Probably. Oh. 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 fire. Burn. <laughs> the fire department. Um, yeah. Stay after that burn. Yeah, because Sheol was just basically a waiting room. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. You're still conscious, but it's not pleasant or unpleasant. Just a shadowy place with no activity. Um, so like the DMV. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great. That's or like that's jury duty. Right oh. So the first, the first mention of hell as a place of. Okay, so let's see what we got here. So the first time it's addressed as a place of torment, or hell is addressed as a place of torment, is in the second, third centuries. The first is 150 CE. It's Second Clement, and he mentions if we neglect his commands. Uh, commandments. Nothing will rescue us from the eternal punishment. That's it. There's nothing else. And then in 151, Justin Martyr uh, mentions eternal fire, but not necessarily connected to hell. And then in uh, 212, uh, Hippolytus says eternal punishment. Um, and then he says unquenchable and unending fire, a fiery worm which does not die and which does not waste the body, but continually bursts forth from the body with that with unceasing pain. And then just says no sleep. And that's the only real mention we have of hell until Middle Ages with Catholic thinkers. And then they give hell levels with no biblical basis, like they have limbo of infants, which they call uh, limbus infantum. Which sounds like a Harry Potter spell. Yes. Which I love. Limbus in Phantom. Yep. <laughs> but it's a hell curse. <laughs> our conceptions of hell mostly come from artists and authors, not from biblical scholars or Jesus. <laughs> you know? Preach it, preach or the New Testament. Um, wow. Yeah, so I mean, it's strange because Jesus does mention, you know, a gnashing of teeth, you know? But that's not connected to hell. Yeah, that's not connected to hell, though. That's morally connected to, like, actual like revolution because Jesus was supposed to be resurrected not to be God but to be like the new power of the Jewish state you know and so this yeah to come come back and do something about it not to start a religion like because Jesus wasn't a meist you know he wasn't a Christian you know like (laughs) he was a Jew Um, but our conceptions of hell have basically been molded 
from the 12th century onward by Dante, and then by Milton. Milton gives us the first uh, devil as a rebel, you know, where he basically says, basically he wants you to, he introduces doubt, and maybe the god's a tyrant. You know, do you want to really be with the tyrant? Um, which, with the conception of heaven and hell we have, it's just that's what it seems like. No matter how much you try to nuance your speech, to be like, no, God really wants you to go to heaven, but he put you all through these loopholes. And the other thing that I, um, do you guys, this was taught heavily in Catholic, um, like, catechism. I don't know if you guys got it, but the harrowing of hell. What's that? So when, if Jesus is the Savior, if he is God, and if you have to know Jesus to get salvation, what happens to all the patriarchs? What happens to all the prophets? What happens to Moses? What happens to Adam? You know, what happens to them? Because they didn't know Jesus. They sure, they didn't know the message. They weren't believers. Right. Isn't like, there, uh, like, mention of, like... I remember hearing about, like, or talking about Abraham's bosom and kind of mm, that sort of mm, concept of, like, that's where all the, like, patriarchs are like waiting. Waiting for this moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so that's where purgatory kind of comes from, too, is they were waiting, and if they weren't in hell, because yeah. you can't torture Abraham forever, you can't torture heroes of the faith, you can't say, yeah, Moses was broasted in hell until Jesus got right. here, like, that well, just makes God look like a dick. That's what I was told, too, because I, I had one of these, why, and I think why I deconstructed looking back so many years ago even when I was a kid it was because you know they were like well if you don't believe in Jesus then you're going to go to hell and I was like but if like the Jews like who like Abraham and all them were before Jesus and they didn't believe in Jesus that way because they were dead well are they in hell mm-hmm. and my my dad and like oh, I remember saying it to like my children's pastor like well they're not in hell because Jesus didn't, or God didn't create it yet, which was just confusing me, which their theology was really bad. But then they're like, but they're like in Abraham's bosom, or there's like, there's like, and and what they were describing was almost like a purgatorial sense. They're like, well, they're not in heaven, but they're not in hell, they're not in this plane, but they're like in this paradise that's not like the Garden of Eden, but where there's no, like, hurting, there's no weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's not hell, it's not this plane. Or heaven, but it's somewhere. Mm-hmm. So kind of like we were kind of alluding to, like, people were saying... So I always got confused with what that meant. I'm like, so they're not in hell, they're not in heaven, where are they? Yeah. In a, in like <laughs> no a, one knew. I was just like a really, in a very heavily, like, Calvinist-influenced culture, and uh, I'm glad that you brought that up, because our we were all asking those same questions, and the explanation that we got was... Oh, it was the old covenant, and so the sacrifices saved them. And following Mosaic law, like Mosaic law was like yep. heavy, That's what I learned too. beat into it, sort of thing. And it's like, oh, now we're under a new covenant. The rules, God changed the yep. rules, yep. and told like two dudes who luckily wrote it down and it got preserved. Yeah, yeah. the only mm-hmm. text proof text is First Peter three eighteen through twenty, and it says, "For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to mm-hmm. bring to God." He is put to death in body, but made alive in spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. Um, it, but that's so far before any of, like, mm. Abraham or anything like yep. that. I mean, we're talking, like... When plus it says disobedient, not obedient. Yeah. Do you guys so, know the Apostles' Creed? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And like, isn't there a line yeah. in there like, and he descended to hell? Yep. To... He descended into hell on the third day. He rose again from yeah. the dead, ascended into heaven, and mm-hmm. now sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. For thence to, to, to judge the living and the dead. 
something. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. 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 Wow. It's the Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed, it has, it's even longer and it has more in it. And There's the debate about whether or not to use the word hell or to use to send it into to the dead because some churches mm. would have a different word. But the, Nicene, the Nicene Creed, the funny thing about it, it was, it was as inclusive as possible. Yeah. So it's a very, very blank, bland statement of faith. But for churches today, it's kind of like the thing they hold on to. But Constantine, there were so many different versions of Christianity at the time that he wanted it to be as like as inclusive as possible to bring as many people in as possible because there there was never a version of our faith that was like no this is it we got it we're good mm-hmm. all all sold up it was always an amalgamation of all these different faith traditions and different beliefs whether it was Jesus was divine Jesus was not divine Jesus was half divine like there was you know the demigod part of Jesus there was he was just a Jewish prophet there you know all these different parts of you know Jesus are like the flesh is evil, or that the flesh is all we have, and I think somehow it all got put together at some point, like maybe in the 18th century and 19th century, where it was like, all right, you follow your denomination, and if you move from there, you're screwed. Mm -hmm. For some reason, now we have been handed a faith that's like, no, your parents were right, they had it all figured out, and now all of us growing up as adults are like, we don't have it figured out, so how did our parents, were they superhuman beings? (laughs) It's some sort of special knowledge. Because that's how I used to think about my parents. Mm -hmm. And now, I mean, they're great people, but they're just people. Yeah. I think when I was growing up, we definitely had a a semi, a quasi bend on Calvinism. Mm. Like, depending on which pastor you talk to, it's like we're in (laughs) um, an evangelical covenant church. So it's very Swedish oriented. There's like some Calvinistic principles in it, but it kind of. It's this weird kind of mix of several other things. But, yeah, it all depended on which pastor you talked to, how they viewed hell, or what they, like, kind of, uh, your, like, whether or not it was, how it was structured. And then I remember talking about, kind of, the Abraham Disposum with my youth pastor at one point in time, and kind of, what did that look like? Because, you know, I didn't know. And you kind of flesh out those thoughts of, like, well, what happened to all of these old people that didn't know Jesus, and then all of a sudden you have this, and, you know, kind of that mosaic law, kind of, you know, well, there's this, and then God goes, nope, never mind, we're going to change it, and it's all this now. Well, it seems arbitrary, because you've got, so the moment Christ dies and resurrects, how many people knew about Jesus? (laughs) Maybe a thousand? Yeah, Compared to the population of the world, it's less than 1%. So... Does Jesus magically reach out to those people who are all dying and like no? Well, that's why he came to the Americas. <laughs> no, yeah, he came to America. Yeah, that's why he he came and visited the the exiled Jews in America. Yes. True. Oh wait, I forgot about that. Sorry, it's just a little Mormon. Now. Yeah, know, we gotta bring that around. We don't hate Mormons. We don't hate them. No. I love Mormons. Do you hate the Germans? I don't hate anybody. <laughs> so, I think the conception of hell we have as an inter- eternal place of torment and disaster is basically because it sells tickets. Like, it's worth the price of admission. Like, why do you need Jesus? Because that is fucking terrifying. There's a lion yeah. who's going to devour you. If, you. if you don't have the shit that we're offering, well, plus it really got popular doing indulgences. So, like, you can either really be faithful or you can buy your way into heaven. Right. With indulgences, so it's a huge revenue stream for the church. Um, well, for the Catholic Church. At, well, at the time, the only game in town, unless you were a heretic. 
you know. True. So when when indulgences came out, was you know until Martin Luther put up his theses, you know that was, that was the only game in town. Yeah, I remember. Good time to be a Catholic bishop. <laughs> <laughs> when you brought up the whole like um, scare tactic, I remember summer camps going to church summer camps and like that was their game man like how can I scare these little oh yeah but the funny thing is I think there's an earnestness there that I think people like us uh, I don't that's a weird thing to say but people like because we're an echo chamber we all kind of agree with each other and we do that but I think there's an earnestness that we overlook maybe just because we assume it's stupidity but like those people were trying to do good, mm, not trying well, to scare. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were, they were really yeah. trying to help. Like they, they believed it. They oh. did, and they, and like the earnestness. I think I don't know if it should be rewarded, but it's it's because it's so easy to be like fuck those people for doing this terrible shit to yeah, us for fucking you my know? head up. And I think if I went back there now, I'd probably deck them. You know, yeah. <laughs> like as, just, as a little like, kid. Now you look back, like I mean, their mentality was. You know, look at all the look at all the little kids I saved. Or oh, right. even rededicated their life. That was like mm-hmm. you know, I, growing up in the process, like that was a like a huge thing. Are you going to rededicate your life to the? To we, would, we had summer? to send back those kind of stats phrase. from yeah. the camp I worked at in, in college. We sent back those stats: how many people we saved, yeah. mm-hmm. how yeah. people came to Christ, yeah. like, and it's it helped the donors because they get funding, right? Yeah, it was. It's funny, like you know, but we I talk, don't. We I don't talk about it. this, but like the, I mean. Total sidetrack of kind of things, but yeah, like I remember at at one point in my time, my youth pastor went like or the, like that oversaw some of the kids stuff too. He was like, "You don't have to do this every summer, you know that, right?" Like, he was <laughs> he said that. Like, yeah, he was kind wow. of more honest guy. Like, hey, like you, like, you know, that's cool, but you know, like I'm curious how your like uh, Christian camps were because I know mine. You get like on a spiritual high, and that's when they would cash in the. Who wants oh, yeah. to rededicate? Sort of, and then you like get this buzz and yeah. be like, oh, it's but they so were always holy. like, I mean, to bring it back around. It's the Holy the Spirit, Caleb. Yeah. The Spirit, baby. <laughs> You're just not listening. Anymore. <laughs> yeah. The Catholics have that? <clears throat> no, not no God, no. I no. Did you bring this back or? He's an evangelical plant. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean. Anytime I can rip on Catholics, I'll totally do it. That's a bad habit of mine. Um, no, but to, I mean, bring it around in full circle about, like, you know, the whole, um, like, history of how, like, what, kind of what we view it as. Like, just, I, you know, my experience of, like, the maze and stuff, I just, like, I constantly remember every time they get close to that dedication service, like, this the service that right you like during it or like the the morning before is always so oriented around like hell and how bad it is and like you know whether it's flames or like torment or you know I remember one time having it like they talked about like isolation so they would actually they would like force you to close your eyes and like think about like being alone did you ever have a moment where you were lost it's like it's like the Lutheran uh, solitary confinement idea of hell. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was... Put it, yourself there. Yeah, it's... Put yourself there, yeah. I mean, Ugh. it's just interesting to me, like... These things happen to me. You're yeah. lucky. Yeah. So, one thing... Here, here's one thing. So, being Catholic and then going... Becoming evangelical, one thing that was strange was that I would go to a service and people would say, you might be saved, but is your best friend... 
And if you don't tell oh, your be- if you don't tell your best guilt friend, yep, trip. You, you could be the yeah. reason they're in hell. That, oh, and I remember being oh, like, so I convicted by that. You're responsible for your friends. Yep. Well, it's almost like the Catholic Church and like being able to like your parents or your, like your family somewhere down like years be- that died like centuries before. Well, you can buy them. If you can pay for them to get to heaven. And indulgences, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this practice the Catholic Church no longer really has anything to do with since like the 17th century. I don't know but, why not. That's how they got rich. No, <laughs> the Jesuits. That's a so good idea. That. That's a great idea. Can you know your pastor is a douche? Oh, I got what's the thing for you? <laughs> I got a ticket for you, buddy. Monorail. Monorail. Main reasons Luther got so pissed because he was Catholic, yeah. but that's oh. one of the main reasons. This one of the 95 theses yeah. was he was like. Because they told him, oh, you have loved ones that died, and why don't you give us money? And he was like, what? This isn't even Luther would, Luther would be our friend, because Luther, so in Luther's time, most priests... guests on the podcast. Most, <laughs> special guests? Well, even, even most priests weren't moderate, yeah. you know? So, like, he actually learned Hebrew and Greek and read the scriptures from the actual, like... From the text and made his own translation, and that's what changed oh. his whole perspective. But before that, I mean, people did weren't like you they couldn't Google a Bible verse in Greek and be like, "Hey, the thing my pastor said is bullshit." <laughs> You're just like, he seems right. He's wearing the the shit. He's got the cup. Um, is, is hell like a least common denominator sort of? Is that why they translate Gehenna and Hades and Sheol? All is hell. Is it like a oh, let's round up to the nearest? Lowest common denominator sort of thing? Uh, I wouldn't say that. I would say that the, our conception of hell, that is a place of eternal torment, has swallowed those other versions um, and taken over good, them. I remember so, hearing... I can't remember who it was from, but someone had mentioned when I was growing up and it was interesting, it just popped in my head about like that there was a... They had somehow drawn a difference between Hades, which was kind of the Jewish head and those sorts of concepts to what hell was. And that there was like a difference between the two. And like, I remember that like messing with my brain for a while when I was growing mm. up and trying to process how they were different. Yeah, and I'm trying to also mm. think about how hell relates to like, hell doesn't make sense to me just on the sense of we live a short amount of time, a finite time that we could live and transgress against God. And so even if we're Ted Bundy or some awful person who's done really terrible things, you did that for a very short amount of time, and then having an infinite right. punishment. Like, we're not talking trillions of years. We're talking infinity. Yeah. So, like, like that's something humans can't even deal right. with. We can't grasp that. Yeah. But, like, if you were like, yeah, you're going to be in jail for the rest of your life, you'd be like, mm-hmm. that sucks. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, but then forever. Uh-huh. Hell would almost seem kind of just if it was just like you reap what you sow sort of thing. Like every bad thing you did to somebody, you get done to you, and then you go chill with God or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. well, but I think what we were talking about last week too is our concept. Humans don't understand the concept of eternity. Mm-hmm. We're just no. cognitively we're not meant to understand that. And like when we're told, like when I was younger, when I were, they were like, well, when you die, if you accept Christ, you're going to be with Him in eternity. And that literally gave me so much, like, 
angst because I was like, Same. I don't know what eternity is. Like mm. my dad was like, it's like something that never ends and ends and it, you know, like the song it's that never ends. It's, 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 it's the song that never ends. It's scary. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah. So many years. That was petrified like, to me because yeah. it's the same and it's never ending. Am I going to go insane? Yeah, even yeah. even that's that, what I was thinking. It's scary. Yeah. Even the concept of an eternal heaven seems like hell to me. Yeah, yeah. well, our, my I yep. sit in a pew as we turn this around. Like my I remember Hill song. Yeah, like, I know that's yeah, that's that was my like that was my understanding of what heaven was. It was just like an eternal like church service. And I'm like, yes, yes. I remember at one point in time in my life going, if that's that. Then maybe fuck it. Yeah, right. Like maybe purgatory is the way to go. Great purgatory. Aim for the middle. Aim for purgatory. I wasn't. I mean, I didn't have any Catholic involvement in my life. Purgatory wasn't an option for me. But like, but then like, like I remember hearing like, well, hell's just like the absence of God, and that was like one of my first like kind of views of. Like mm-hmm. this weird kind of strange of like, okay, well, what does that even mean? Yeah. And they're like, oh, it's like partying all the time. You just don't have God with you. I'm like, well, maybe that. Like, and then I have church service or <laughs> having cool. fun. Like, yeah. uh, Mom and dad are gone. Let's have a party yeah. in the house. Maybe if God gets like really frustrated sometimes, I'm just gonna go to hell and just party for like the weekend <laughs> well, for vacation. Back up. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's too like, cold up there. I might bring a few guys with me. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Elijah, <laughs> me and Elijah. <laughs> I got, got Lucifer next to me. He was kind of cool. Yeah. He hey, what happened back there, bro? Why did yeah. you? <laughs> no, no. He's still, like going to transfer people back and forth. Right? Yeah. Well, and then there's uh, like Sart <laughs> says. Crew. Yeah. Yeah. Sart says hell is other people. You know. Um, yeah. And like there are d- days where I'm like looking around and I'm like, is this hell? <laughs> like seriously, I'm like, because a fucking man. If, so if this is real life, uh, heaven should be it. Awesome apology for the terribleness of life. <laughs> for the bullshit of well, everything. If you if you look at God, you need to explain yourself. Well, we're we're in, a specific, we're in a specific position oh, in humanity God. where like we have the ability to connect with people from all over the world, and the shit that happens on a daily basis is just like how how does if, if there if God is justice and love. Um, you can't blame creation for the shit that happens on a daily basis. Mm. It's like, it has to stop somewhere. And if it's like God was like, well, I fucking, I didn't know. I didn't know this was going to happen. Then it doesn't seem like that's a God. Like, we talked about before, like, if I met God, I'd be really disappointed. Yeah. (laughs) Never meet your idol or your heroes. Yeah, Yeah, never (laughs) meet your heroes. (laughs) Um, But, like, I often wonder, like, if, if there is a heaven and a hell... Heaven has to be a terribly good apology for just existing and living, because it's so damn hard to exist and be like Paul yeah. Tillich wrote the book "The Courage to Be," and like I've only read snippets of it, but I agree with the premise of like it's it's hard to just say yeah I'm gonna get up and do something good today, rather than like no let's just cash it out like Absolutely. open yeah. those veins up or just not do anything Absolutely. you know. Well, something I always found kind of confusing and just, and I don't know, like, I have, haven't really studied, like, the verses before and after, so this could be an issue of, like, we talked about last time, like, the cherry picking, or it could not, of, you know, a verse, or a section of verses where it's pretty much disproving hell, right, in the Bible, and Romans, there's a couple verses that says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. 
And That's why there's no hell. Okay, first, I one aside, that. I read that yeah. as my grandmother's eulogy yeah. in 2000. Uh, it's something that, ooh, that you and I, Amanda, were talking about yeah. on Sunday, because yeah. we got in, we were talking about hell, and, like, after, we got to some church. <laughs> mm-hmm. Church, in your quotes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, we're talking about how hell is a useful concept For to children. have. Well, like, just as, like, oh, we all deserve a big crock of shit. Okay, so, like, I'll sit in that and be like, but, you know, God is love, and love means that you keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving, and... You're, yeah, it's an inclusive sort of forgiveness, I guess. That's funny, because that, that love seems naive to me. Like, God would have wised up and been like, I just won't make stuff like that. Mm. <laughs> you know, like, I won't make more Lucifers, or Satan, or you know, right. the adversary, or whatever it is. But, yeah, and Satan wasn't even the lord of hell until after the 12th century. Like, Satan and hell weren't the same places. So. It's always interesting to see how it's evolved to well, what... But most people aren't interested I know that's the thing. It's just this thing that people use to scare other people. I didn't know anything. I mean, honestly, I didn't have the sense that I was supposed to save people until I went to the Billy Graham crusade when I in 1996. There oh, is the, Billy Graham. I forgot no, that T-shirt. No, there was no concept of, of of salvation in the church that I grew up wow. in. There was no concept that you had to accept Jesus in your heart. There was no concept of that. I didn't even know that that was a thing until I went to that crusade, and then I started to try to convert my friends and that did never that didn't really go well that, that actually I just, appreciate you that just turned into crap thanks but. for never trying to convert me oh you're welcome <laughs> so i was kind of over it like by by out of high school but um i don't know it just was that your first altar call Believe yeah me. yeah it was wow. i was ended never saying it's a big altar call Luther, the elca does not do altar calls at, or at least my church didn't do altar calls there was no like you need to, like, accept Christ into your heart kind of thing. That just wasn't a thing. Wow. Because I didn't grow up evangelical. That's why this whole... That's why it still doesn't make sense to me. That's why... I don't know. I was just going to say, um, last thoughts on hell and open the mic to everybody. So, who wants to go first? Um, I'll go. (laughs) Uh, I do think it's a crazy scare tactic to get people to behave in a certain way Um, and I don't think people should act in accordance to God out of fear I don't think they should love their neighbor out of fear I don't think they should you know serve serve their neighbor, feed their neighbor clothe their neighbor out of fear do something good out of fear seems do something good out of fear I think that is such bullshit Mm mhm like, it seems incredibly selfish. Selfish motivation. Is You're like, well, um, yeah, I'm getting so I'm not going to go to hell because I'm saving this person. Like, they're yep, probably going to burn. But who gives a shit? Selfish, manipulative, <laughs> very um, ungodly, ungodly, mm. ungodly. Oh, it's, that's so, so I, I don't know. I think actually it was funny. We were listening to we were riding back from your dad's cabin. On the way home, and who was we were listening to the podcast "You Made It Weird" with Pete Holmes, oh. which is a great podcast. Pete Holmes, I'm a huge fan. Tweeted us. Come on our podcast. Um, Come on our podcast. <laughs> who was he interviewing? He was interviewing. I'm trying to look it up. Okay. <laughs> he was interviewing someone who was a professor of religious studies. He at wrote Harvard Jesus University. the Zealot. Yeah. I'm trying. Reza to Aslan. 
Say it yeah, again. Reza Aslan. Yeah. Yep. And they were talking about um, creation and how, as an atheist, I don't believe in heaven or hell, but they were talking about how our matter never dies, really. Well, can never be created oh, or destroyed. Can never be, basically, like, unmade. But so, our consciousness might, might not be there, but the stuff we're made of will always yep, be Yep, the consciousness isn't there, but what we're made of never really disintegrates. So we're, we'll always be part of creation somehow, even yes. if our... Oh, man. Even if our... Um, what am I trying to... Consciousness, consciousness isn't there. We will always be part of creation being that we were birthed out of this mm-hmm. creation, we will never be... We were made, and we can't be unmade. Yeah. So we will always be somehow part of creation. And I think that is oh a God, yeah. that is a way more beautiful thing than choosing between... Golden streets and burning streets? Yep. Yeah. Golden streets and burning streets, or freezing streets, or however you want to say it. I would... I, Going from evangelical to atheist, I have much more peace mm. mm-hmm. um, realizing that what I'm made out of will we'll always will always be part of creation. Yeah. We're whether, stardust. Yep. Star stuff. Star, Star stuff. stuff. The guts of blue. Whether my consciousness is there or not, that gives me so much more peace than oh, yeah. um, having like a test to finish at the end of my life. Did you do this? Did you do that? Check, 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 check. You know, mm-hmm. those are your points that you're docked, and then you're going here and here. So, I I don't believe hell exists. Um, I believe that our matter is just always present, mm. no matter what happens in the universe. And I think that's a much more peaceful way to think about it. At least for me. Well played, Angel. I don't believe in hell... I was always suspect of it a long, a long time ago. But I think what really sealed the deal for me is when my daughter was born. And I've said this before, so I'm sorry if I'm beating a dead horse. But I was just talking to a friend of mine today and saying like how I came to that realization. And I said, growing up, we're always told is Jesus is like a father figure, like someone who loves his creation and you know would do anything and you look at that as like our parents like your parent should do a good parent should do anything for their kids no matter what and now being a parent myself I look at my daughter there's going to be times where she pisses the heck out of me when she gets up at 2 in the morning when she doesn't need to get up or when she does something I mean she's not even a year old but you know as you get older but I look at it as there's nothing that my daughter is going to do that's going to separate me from my love from her. You know, like, if she grows older and makes some stupid, shitty decisions, yes, there's going to be some consequences that go with those said decisions that she made, but that doesn't mean that my love for her is going to waver, but yet we are supposed to believe in a God that says my love's going to waver, and that my love is going to somehow go away from you, and therefore that love goes away from you, you're damned into eternity for hell. It literally, to me, hell as a concept and as an idea does just not line up. It just doesn't line up with a God that I see in the New Testament, in in Jesus, that 
it, it just it just doesn't make sense to me. And to me, if something doesn't make sense, is that illogical? It's that easy to kind of poke holes through. Then I don't really think that it's a real thing. I don't really think it's it's something that like we've talked about the last couple weeks. It's a scare tactic. It's a you know get your butt in church, get meet your Jesus moment, and it's really not a salvific thing, but. It's just like, oh, there's a good person, so now you need a bad thing. It's kind of like a movie. There's a good person, and then there has to be a bad person. There's, you know, can't just be good people. I think, you know, for me, you know, a lot of people, you've, you've, I mean, my, my brother-in-law said the same thing, except his mentality was like, with his kids, he's like, well, that's what's going to draw you back into, you know, why it reaffirms all of his faith and, you know, things like that. And, I think for me, walking out of, walking in my life where I'm kind of in this unknown and kind of accepting things as for who I am, and, you know, I remember growing up under that fear aspect of what hell was, and I think, you know, I think of, um, my wife's told me stories of, uh, this guy, uh, Ricky Romano, Ricky Amato Ministries, um, and, oh my and, and his tactic was, and he'd always, like, at the donation, would be like, make your checks out to Ram. And, like... <laughs> I've heard of this guy. Yes. And, yes. So, and my wife has grown up in yep. an even more conservative, like, con- uh, like really conservative Baptist Christianity. Super, super conservative. And, like, uh, Bob Jones-style Christianity. Oof. And, you know, so she's told me even worse stories of, like, the fear tactics that come into hell and... You know, as we as we process things as adults, and you know, you kind of look at it like fear is not a healthy thing, and so many people parents parent out of fear mm. instead of out of love and acceptance. And I think you know, coming at that as a you know, in a parental view, if God is a parent, would you really would would He be better suited to parent out of fear or out of love? And you know, for kids that grow up under that fear, they are. They grow up into adults, and they're they typically have like issues, and they're afraid of things. And you know, if you you know, even me personally, if I I'm always afraid that I'm going to not someone's not going to like me, or I'm going to do something to tick someone off, or like I can't make someone happy. Like that's so rooted into hell because that's what they use to get people to believe into something bigger, the happy place of heaven. And so I think to me, like it's such a fear tactic that if God was really a loving God, why would he need a place for people to fear to get to go that way? You know, it's so counterculture to like a lot of what we grew up in in the in the early nineties, late eighties kind of mindset, it's it's so counterculture to that. It's you know, that culture was here's how and I'm gonna force you to I'm gonna fear you into heaven instead of, you know, this acceptance. And, you know, if we were to go back and look at it for me I think if, if Christianity was presented in a, in a more positive light, in a more true light of what, you know, we all think Christianity really should be, it'd be an easier thing to swallow. Yeah. But because it's nowhere close to that, you know, hell is such a big pill to swallow already, and that's that's what I think most Christianity is, is, you know, well, we want to fear you out of the bad things. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. As Masuka said. Oof. Hell is a cold bitch with a eating your strap on. <laughs> Did you have anything you wanted to say? In case you didn't hear that. That was a Dexter record. 
from Dexter said, Hell is a cold bitch with an 18 inch crap on. <laughs> Thank you for reiterating that. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, That's why I married that. <laughs> wow, that was hard to follow. Okay, um, I guess my, my thoughts are about how this has really opened my eyes to see what impact this has had on people growing up and how how we're all terrified how you were all terrified like i mean i i mean i guess you know like the whole it's bringing me that into like you know if you don't accept jesus and you're gonna go to hell kind of thing like that really didn't get introduced to me until i was a teenager like i think i was like 13 or something like that didn't that never was even in my brain when i was growing up because that's not how my church functioned and so I'm really interested in this whole like hell, like thing that maze maze thing. I'm I'm really fascinated by this. That none of that kind of stuff happened when I was growing up, and I'm very thankful for that. You know, so I I I don't know. It's 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 amazing to me to see. You know, because I was a chaplain before this. I know I've talked about this before, and it's always interesting. Well, not interesting. Just sad to me to see how those things that happen to us that are told to us that are ingrained in us how they impact our beliefs and what we think about God and how we view the world later on and what that means to how our faith and our spiritual growth and whatever that looks like for people because that can mean lots of different things in lots of different ways and I think that gosh it's just and mind blowing to me right now. I guess my brain is kind of like I didn't even know that was something that that could even be. Like it just it makes me really sad that those kinds of things were happening. So it definitely it definitely messes with life and with the person that you are. You know? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Fear. I mean, fear in itself is a bad, is a, such a tactic used in the world as, as itself to get people to direct them into something that's positive, you know. When, and I feel like authors like C.S. Lewis tried to change that to be like, well, he's not a tame lion. Yeah. You know, like where he's both righteous and terrible, not terrible, but terrifying at the yeah. same time. And I feel like that's that's not a good view of a, mm. of a creator either. Is that like the sinners in the, hand, in the hands of an angry god sort of thing, or? I don't. I don't think so. I think C.S. Lewis is more of a like Carnival of Narnia, you know. Like yeah, well, sure, like, sure. He comes and goes. He pleases. He's wild, and um, he's yeah. what is what is the who Aslan? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. C.S. Lewis, great was, and terrible at the same time. Yeah, that's right. Great yeah. and terrible. Yeah, he was he was so much about that like kind of wide view of things. Like you know, like what you said, he's a wild god. Like, mm-hmm. and that was intentional to say that it's not possible to tame. Like, there's moments he's going to do some really protective nurturing things and there's going to be moments he's just going to go on terror and he's going to get pissed and he's going to take care of it well, yeah, and if that were true, it seems like when Jesus was being crucified, he just should have turned into like a monster and killed everyone, mm-hmm. and been like, "And I'm God," you know, um, uh, instead of being like the person who gave his life up for somebody else. Like that's a moral God giving your life for someone else, but being that wild God is like, well, yeah, but not today. Yeah, like not today, today, he went die hard. Today. Uh, uh, D and D references. You gotta re-roll that. Like, can you roll a D, like a 
twenty, please. Like, right, right. Can oh, you get that, can you get like a little hit, please. Like, let's make that happen. Like, yeah. Good luck with that. Um, twenty sided yeah. die or something. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's totally what it is. Like, you know, if you can, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> die. Like that was that's that's Jesus. He's like, yeah. I'll turn on the cross. He's like. EPK motherfuckers pulls out like two gas. He's like, where did Jesus get the trebuchets? And he's like, why have you? No, no God, why is he forsaking me? EPK motherfuckers. Cyborg just opened. Like, for some reason, we're rewatching Gundam right now. Oh, nice. Just his whole chest opens, and there's like machine guns just going off. It's yeah. There you go. So, Caleb, go ahead. Amina, do you want to go? Yeah. Sorry, you hear that baby crying at sleep. Because it's because it's real life, people. And because she's almost one year old, and sometimes one year olds are just terrible. Um, or just the way they're supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I feel how I grew up seeing the concept of hell. It wasn't until like growing up in the AG. It wasn't until I stepped outside of that and. You know, went to an AG church, went to an AG college. It wasn't until after I stepped outside that bubble that I really saw how messed up that was. Where growing up, it didn't really seem traumatizing or messed up because it was the normal, which, you know, you hear a lot of people in, like, you know, extreme, you know, situations like that or, like, in cults. So, I mean, I'm not comparing the two. I'm not saying, you know, the AG is a cult because, you know, there's definitely... It's a lot of great things about it. I know a lot of, you know, great people who, you know, get a lot of great things about it. But, you know, using it kind of loosely where it's like you hear people who are grow up in, like, this cult and all this crazy stuff happening, they don't think it's like, like, oh, that's just how we grew up. And then you step outside of it, or they're outside for a while, and they revisit it, and all the stuff the comes Amish. up, and, <laughs> and, and, and they're just kind of thinking, what did I go through? But, I mean, I just feel like I'm kind of, um, the term that Brian uses sometimes as a hopeful universalist, where you hope that there's not a hell, which... As we kind of discover tonight, I don't really feel like, and I say like prove loosely because with faith, how much can you really absolutely 100% prove something? But there's not really that much proof of hell or hell as we see it. And there's there's just a lot of things that, that doesn't line up. And when people say that God has a just but perfect love, how how do, do you line that up with if you look at your whole eternity just one single sliver of time that you make some mistakes dictates the rest of eternity that's like when my daughter gets a little bigger if she makes one mistake if she lies to me that she ate a cookie then I'm going to disown her for the rest of her existence I mean that's like the equivalent of it and it just seems absurd yeah and I just can't you know I just can't like pair those things together and you know, I feel like whether there is a heaven or a hell, I feel like you should just live your life no matter what your beliefs. Like, there is no afterlife. Like, when you die, you die, because that means that what you do here on Earth and how you interact with people and care about people, you know, really matters. Instead of saying, I'm going to do the bare minimum and take care of number one so I can go to heaven because it's all about me. Because then what's the point of being here? Amen. Yeah. I would like us all to <laughs> invite us all to bow our heads now and uh, come and say the sinner's prayer with me, yep. please. Wow. <laughs> I'm a man and I 
<laughs> what are you uh, thinking? I invite you, Jesus. Let's have an altar call right now, actually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just have so... Like, this conversation has been so good for me right now. Like, oh my God. Like, everything that everyone has said, I 100% relate with. And I'm really glad that Angela kicked it off with our, with our summaries. Because that's what first, I think... Allowed me, I guess, to allow myself to start deconstructing was being like embracing kind of materialism and being like, I've always, my, this, I'm pointing at my body right now, has always been here and will always be here. The essence, like, matter, you know, can't be created or destroyed, as we said. Right. And that's just like, that's what made me like, okay, I'm gonna let go of this shit for a little while and just kind of try, try to step back because. I th- yeah, I mean, I think I was, like, mentally abused and brainwashed as a child. Like, to be real with you guys. I'm not, like... And I... I Understandable. I think that I see more genuine love in you, in this group here, than I ever had in, in a, a church environment. I don't say that to be hateful, because I love, you know, my teachers growing up. I'm sure, like we said, like, they were well-motivated. I'm sure that they really were just trying to look out for me to the best of their understanding. And I know how shitty and hard it is to be an adult and they're just probably trying to give me the best of what, you know, what they could glean from life or whatever. But the, I don't know, I feel like the structure, like the the economy of modern Christianity, or at least the version I was taught, doesn't make any fucking sense. And, yeah, just the, the economy of it. And, um, yeah, uh, like, and since I started deconstructing, um, I guess I realized that, I, I asked myself recently, like, looking at my, looking back and, like, looking at my, my family, my parents, and their, uh, religious influences and spiritual, I guess, leader, you know, influences, I guess, um, and been like, what, what, what was their motivator? And I look at every single person who's, like, in I won't name anybody, you know, in my, my parents' current church, I won't even say the denomination, but, like, I'm like, what is their motivator? And every single one of them, I swear to God, it boils down to fear. Like, every single one of them. It's like, why are they saying what they or why do they want other people to see them pray before they eat? Or, like, why do they want to convert people and have their name on it, like, stamped, like, converted you, converted you, stamp, stamp, stamp. It's, it's fear. But there's... No, it totally is. Like... Yep. Sorry to interject. No, go ahead, please. My, my my wife, again, like I said, grew up in a very conservative mm-hmm. Baptist environment, and her grandparents, her parents, her, and it's more, even more extreme, like her aunt and uncle are the, the worst about it, like, I feel like her parents are kind of starting to accept who we are and kind of our lack of faith in the Christian world anymore, and her grandparents just kind of don't ask questions, but like, we go back every year for Christmas, and like, my, my wife's aunt takes up all the her great nieces and nephews upstairs in her in her in the grandparents' house and they have a little Jesus moment like where they talk about like they read the Christmas story and like do you believe in Jesus and but like it's so fear oriented at times mm-hmm. like you know and it's you know when we're younger we when we are so inclus- included in that environment if you stand out there's fear of like well I want to fit in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but yeah, definitely, I, I can totally agree with that. Like, yeah. You know what you're talking about with your parents and stuff like that's, you know, even my parents are directed toward that fear aspect. Like occasionally mm-hmm. they bring up that, like, did they go to church. Yeah. 
I think. Yeah. Oh, keep going. Well, sorry. I'm I, trying to think. Um, I'm not trying. I'm really. I swear. I'm not trying to hate on conservative conservatives of the conservative environment because I think it's well motivated. Like, I think your wife, your wife and I, it sounds like maybe had a really similar uh, environment and structure growing up and stuff. But um, I, I don't know, man. Uh, fuck hell, I guess. Is that's my. <laughs> Maybe that should be the title of our. Oh man! Episode two, hell, fuck hell. I just all I hear is like a cool '80s guitar, like. Yeah, like a Christian band thing. Yeah, right. Forget hell. Forget like star. The radio, yeah. Star, star, star. Get yeah, the radio. So I resonated with both of that because last Easter. My mom took me aside, and she knows that I'm not really a believer anymore, and she's like, are you going to wear a hat to Easter service? And I said, yeah, I wear a hat all the time. And she goes, well, then maybe you shouldn't come. Oh, damn. Me and my mom were close, and I was like, well, why is it a big deal that I wear a hat at church? I mean, like, you know, lots of lots of religious sects, you have to cover your head. Even Christian sects, you have to cover your head to go to church. You know, and I was like, bishops have to cover their head. She goes, well, when you become a bishop, you can wear a hat. <laughs> and so I was like, See? okay. And I was like, well, then There's we're... There's got to be an online schooling for that. <laughs> yeah, right. And then I just said, well, then we're just not going to go. Ten minutes, and my mom said, that's fine. But then after Easter service, when we all went together for brunch, my mom was like, I was praying and I was hoping you would walk through the door without a oh, hat on. Guilt trip. I'm disappointed. Yeah, but what I, what I said was... I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. What, what, what all this came out is fear, because other people saw that as disrespectful, and she didn't want her son... she didn't want to be the son with hat. Yep, she didn't want That's to be the mother is. of the son who came to church yep. with the hat. Even though it was a dress hat, it was not like I wasn't going to wear, like, my hat. That said, like... Oh, fuck haters. Yeah. Um, Josh, Josh just caught his hat sideways. Where the cool bitches at, or yeah. like something. No, it was, it was just a very nice black... Or music hat, say, like, you know. Yeah, the, like, the same kind of hat. Wow, this just went like a yeah. whole nother place. Thanks. People. Thanks for that. Sorry about Good that. Job. Go ahead, please. I'm sorry. You've been so, so respectful. The hat was going to be classy. It was. As far. Walk yeah. around by the U of M uh, on Friday night, and you'll see plenty of uh, hats that say pussy. But yeah, but I, it was just fun. it was just a power play, and I was I'm just not interested in playing those games, even though it's my mother and I love her. Because my sister was like, "Why don't you just go to church? Because you love mom." I'm like. I'm not going to play into her fears about being judged by other people in the congregation. I think that's horseshit. And I don't want to, because I, I, have, I have a stupid rule. I won't take a job if I can't wear a hat. It's one of my rules. So if there's a job where they're like, you can't have a hat, I'm not interested. That's why you're um, in Exactly. Um, that's why I work in a nonprofit kitchen. Um, but I'm just not interested in that sort of fear of, like, she's embarrassed because someone said, oh, your son wore a hat to church, and that made her... You know, you're kind of validating that, right? Yeah, right. If, if I took the hat off, I'd be validating that fear. Saying, like, you're right, Mom, you should be afraid of that. And next time someone says my shoes are too big, oh, you, you better cut my feet off. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because I have huge oh, feet. Welcome ridiculous. to my entire relationship with my mother. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, so, fear of everything I do all the time. So, so, so beyond, beyond that, the only thing I wanted to say about hell was that our modern conception of hell uh, was not shaped by Scripture, Jesus, Paul, or the apostles. Um, it was conceived after the New Testament was written, and it really, it almost portrays heaven as a country club and hell as a VFW. And I'm totally oh. willing to take my chance at the VFW. VFW or Amen. the MVV? 
Either one. What are these acronyms? Veterans of Foreign Wars. It's like, usually, oh, okay. like little bars in Minnesota oh, where you can go yeah. and get like cheap drinks and okay. it's like a potluck and meat raffles. It's VFW members who are all listening to you this. Ask for we a love you. Collins, they go, oh, lime juice. I better check for that in the back. Actually happened at a VFW. That was the PA <laughs> Hall, not a VFW. Oh, it was close to a VFW. Polish National Association, South St. Paul. Shout out. Not that the liberty. That is actually a really cool bar with um, a really cool jukebox. Close. Only close. Yeah, go ahead. Like how? Uh, well, the you're the conductor of the Air of Grievances podcast. So how do you? Oh, should we do plugs? Go ahead. Oh yeah. Plugs. Anybody want to plug anything? Oh, I have something. It's actually a tweet that I read the other day, and I thought this was good. You pull it up. So it's a tweet by Pink. So someone had tweeted her and was. I think they basically tweeted that. Oh, Pink is, you know, getting so old, we should call her Purple. Oh! Ugly! Below the belt. Ugly! You know, Pink isn't just gonna, you know, stand by and let it go. She's totally not. Nah, but she's, she's not. gonna be, she's gonna be honest and classy about it. So she said, I am of a mindset that it is blessed to grow old, that if your face has lines around your eyes and your mouth, it means you've laughed a lot. I pray I look older in 10 years, because that will mean that I'm alive. So, go pink. Wow, put. Don't let the haters get you down. (laughs) There you go. Do you want to plug? No? Um, I want to plug a book that I'm reading, um, this awesome memoir by Viv Albertine. And if you don't know who Viv is, she was the lead guitarist of a band called The Slits. And they were the first all-girl punk band in the uh, London punk scene, along with The Clash and The Sex Pistols. Wow. And I've read a ton of memoirs about The Clash and The Sex Pistols, but I had never read one about um, a girl's point of view, which is really amazing, and um, the struggle she went through as a girl trying to break into the music scene in the 1960s and 70s. Um, and her memoir is called Close, 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 Music, 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 Boys, Boys, Boys mm. by Viv Albertine. And I'm like having an amazing time reading it. Viv is incredibly honest and she writes beautifully. And um, I recommend it to any girl who feels like they aren't a typical female mm. and they feel out of place. Um, and they're not necessarily confident about feeling out of place because Viv definitely talks about being insecure even though she was this amazing, badass lead singer of this band that toured with the Sex Pistols and The Clash. Um, And she talks about still having insecurities about whether people liked her or if she looked a certain way just because she was a girl. So it's really amazing knowing that you can be... total badass and still have a lot of insecurities. Mm. So I definitely re- recommend the routine's book. Very cool. Okay, so I've been watch- watching Chuck on Amazon Prime <laughs> and I love that show. It's quite funny. There's a lot of debate about what happens in the end so the last episode people are... There's a lot of debate about it, but it's a good show. Especially if you love nerd culture. There you go. So. Uh, I would just plug the uh, Center for Prophetic Imagination in Minneapolis with Mark Mancinwick. His podcast, Deep Roots, um, 
check it out, uh, donate, see what they're doing. That's crazy. Because I think they're doing better work than most churches that I've ever even heard of. Amen. Um, but we love Mark. Yeah. But as usually when people have really good ideas, nobody listens. So true. And then uh, Air of Grievance podcast. Thank hey, oh. hey, Logan. Hey, Logan. Um, I want to plug these motherfuckers right here in this room. <laughs> I love you guys so much. And I tweet maybe, us. yeah, tweet at us. Maybe I'll, I'll be a little bit sad. <laughs> do we have a, do we do we have have a Twitter a thing? We don't have a Twitter. That has to be something we start like a, a, a every week. A hashtag. Like a hashtag tweet at us something. Oh, yeah. That kind fuck of. Fuck hell. <laughs> hashtag fuck hell. Hashtag fuck hashtag hell. Yeah, that's hell this week's tweet. Fuck hell. Um, hashtag fuck hell. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, sorry, Ava. Sorry, Ava. Like, fuck hell. <laughs> By the way, that was, that was amazing. She's <laughs> oh, Ava doesn't believe in hell. Sorry that she's crying a lot today. Yay! I'll give one more, just real quick plug. I have a new podcast that just dropped today. It's called Blind Pilots. It's extremely fucking vulgar. <laughs> vulgar than this? It is very, very... I get... It's an outlet for me... To be way too vulgar, talking about, I had no filter. Um, but it's like therapeutic for me anyway. It's out there. If you want it, you can check it out. The end. Brian, cool. wrap us up. Um, couple things. Uh, they're not connected at all. Uh, I just watched a documentary on Netflix. And as you know me, I love documentaries, especially like true crime. Uh, there's this, there's a show called Evil Genius. And it's a four-part series, and it only takes about three or four hours to get through. But it actually is a true story of what happened in uh, Erie, Pennsylvania, in 2003. It was the uh, Pizza Pizza Man bombing, yeah, so where what? it was a guy robbed a bank, um, and but he had like a collar around his neck, but connected to it was a bomb. <gasps> Holy and it's just it's it's something like it plays out in like a Hollywood movie. But what's so morbid about it was it was true life. Like this really happened, and you just people are connected that you didn't think were connected, and it's it's really sad at the same time. But if you like true crime and you like Netflix, I think they kind of hit it out of the park. And I guess a, another recommendation is if you want to read some uplifting work, read Father Richard Rohr's books, um, Falling Upward. I just listened oh, to yeah. a podcast today where he was interviewed on it again. And Love that guy. He is just, he's a Franciscan monk, but he so, like, transcends Christianity and just talks just about, like, being positive and just being who you are and, like, kind of what we've all said here, just, just be a human, just be nice to one another and... Yes, he is a Christian, but he's a very... I would say he's an inclusivistic kind mm-hmm. of person. But if you want some uplifting, but not judgmental bashing about faith, read Father Richard Baroque, because he's super, super good. All right. Any closing thoughts? Hashtag fuck, hashtag fuck hashtag out. Fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The end. A post-Christian production. <laughs> <laughs>